Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are finishing our study of Ezekiel. Our study uh, will be um, from chapters 40 through 48. So we'll be kind of moving through the high points of, um, of, these, uh, of these chapters. Now, this is um, a, a concluding part now to Ezekiel. This is a different thing. In chapters 38 and 39, we saw um, this this ruler called Gog coming in and leading a bunch of people on all different sides to attack Jerusalem. And then God himself defeats um, Gog. And then uh, all of these nations know that he is God. The, the Lord defeats all these people. He draws them into Israel on purpose so that he can use the nation Israel through them. He can reveal his glory in their defeat. So then chapters 40 through 48 completely take a new turn. This is Ezekiel's last vision. And um, it uh, so Ezekiel's had all kind of visions going on. And um, it's like in chapter 34 through 37, we see God's spirit, a new spirit coming back. Uh, now we're seeing God's glory coming back. This is another big vision here of God's glory coming back. And so it starts off in chapter 40, very particular is in verse 1 in the 25th year of our exile so they've been they've been in Babylon now 25 years remember Ezekiel is stuck in the Chebar uh, canal area um, with a bunch of other prisoners and he's um, sitting around and he gets another vision um, at the beginning of the year on the 10th day of the month in the 14th year after the city was struck down on that very day. So it's 14 years to the day um, after Jerusalem was destroyed. It's the 25th year of their captivity in Babylon. This is exactly, uh, it's like an anniversary of Jerusalem's destruction. So then um, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me into the city. 
Verse 2, in visions of God, he brought me to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain on which was a structure like a city to the south. He brought me there and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like bronze with a linen cord and a measuring reed in his hand. And McGee says, anytime you got a guy with a measuring stick, it's probably an angel there to do something that the God that God wants him to do. He's got a measuring stick, so he's going to be measuring some things. And the man, this angel, said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. So what we've got now is this angel getting ready to give Ezekiel a tour um, of um, this new temple. We're getting ready to see a new temple. Now, it's interesting that in Revelations 21, uh, verse 22, the Lord um, God and the Lamb are the new temple in the new Jerusalem. So, if we were to... Uh, McGee references that I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So it's a reference to the New Jerusalem. There's a new temple. Now, McGee says we're getting ready to be shown a new temple. And so maybe some of this is we're getting into sort of interpretations of the Bible's timeline. So, um, this tribulation period is when all these nations are going to be, it's going to be um, a terrible period of of, uh, suffering and the tribulation period, um, possibly, you know, when you have these... um, uh, kingdoms coming to attack uh, Jerusalem, coming to attack Israel. Then the wrath of God is poured out um, where uh, Christ defeats, uh, you know, all these other nations. Um, perhaps that's uh, Christ's second coming. I'm not sure. But when he defeats all these people, there's, you know, there, at some point the wrath of uh, Christ coming there and he's bringing his... Uh, reestablishing his church. And then it you get into this period of whether or not you believe in this millennial period. And I'm not educated enough to go into it too much, but when Christ is reestablishing his church, um, a lot of people go for this concept that there's this millennial period where you know, God, Christ is judging um, everyone, and this church is reestablished. Those in Him are brought back. His church is brought back, and there's still um, uh, an. Inst- it's sort of like an instructional period. It's a a judgment period, an instructional period. It still has uh, rules, regulations that are now uh, given to us that we we can follow. Um, why? Because God is still holy. God has holiness that still requires our observation 
of that holiness so that we truly understand how to worship. So this millennial period, you could kind of, if you're, if you're sort of subscribing to that viewpoint, um, it's kind of a worship period. And then after this period, then you have all eternity, um, where you have uh, the new Jerusalem descending onto the earth. And um, um, this is what Revelation is describing, this new temple, which is, which is uh, um, Christ and, and God the Father. So um, these are just reference points, but for what we're seeing right now, we're on a tour of a physical temple. Um, and so perhaps this physical temple is a um, actual temple that um, is going to be there. And possibly in the millennial period of this physical temple is a time of instruction. Um, but it could be a literal rebuilt temple. Um in this future millennial kingdom on earth. Uh, in this millennial uh, temple, we're going to see references that animal sacrifices are there. And so, um, to as maybe instruction on uh, what needs to be done because God is still so holy. But now we understand that uh, they're there and they're required. And this sin offering reveals... Uh, how important the blood of Christ is, uh, an instructional worship period of time. And um, a lot of people, uh, or at least my study Bible says, many interpretations said that this new um, temple is really the land of Israel. You know, this, this temple is sort of a reference to the land of Israel being restored. Another viewpoint is that this um, um, temple is not a physical temple, but more of a symbolic temple about God's blessings um, in this future age. And there's another interpretation that this temple is more like a combination of literal temple and symbolic uh, elements um, that really are focusing on God's blessings to us. So I'm not good enough to to um, to to really dissect out this to know what this is. McGee points out that it looks like a physical temple, perhaps in a millennial time period of instruction, where. Um, uh, laws and regulations and sacrifice is still required. Um, there is a reference to somebody going in through a special gate called the Prince. It's an unnamed person. Um, and McGee points out that he thinks that's David. Um, shall be the Prince. It's sort of like the Prince under the Lord Jesus that uh, handles all these offerings Um within uh, this temple. There's a bunch of references to uh, David um, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34, 23 says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will lend them and he will tend them and be their shepherd. Now, whether or not this is um, a literal reference to David being um, in charge 
of this temple, sort of like under the Lord Jesus, or this David is sort of like a new David um, that's a reference to the Lord Jesus. Now, McGee feels that it's perhaps King David restored um, because this this prince, David, um, is referred to as a servant, um, and this in this is referred to as a prince um, that handles these. Uh, and this and there's other references in here that the prince will be the one doing the sacrificing. So McGee says that um, it's probably David because why? Because it says David in number two. Um, why would the Lord Jesus? Be doing the sacrificing when he was the lamb of the ultimate sacrifice. So, um, in any event, um, that's the references. These are some of the references to David. Uh, Ezekiel thirty four twenty four says, "I'm the Lord. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken." And then Ezekiel 37, 24, it says, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. So um, then Ezekiel 37, 25 says, They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors live, and they and their children... And their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. So again, there's a reference to David there. So we'll um, flip over to um, chapter 40 down to verse 44. On that outside of the inner gateway, there were two chambers. Um These are chambers for singers, so there's going to be singing there. Um, Chapter 40, verse um, 38, there was a chamber with its door in the vestibule of the gate where the burnt offerings was to be washed. And in the vestibule of the gate were two tables on either side on which the burnt offerings and the sin offerings and the guilt offerings were to be slaughtered. And off to the side on the outside, as one goes up to the entrance of the north gate, there were two tables and off to the other side of the vestibule of the gate were two tables. Um, and these tables apparently were where offerings were to be um, given. Sin offerings and guilt offerings. And so um, it looks like there's a, a formality of worship that was there uh, to be carried out in this uh, temple. We'll skip down, uh, and McGee doesn't go into, like, exact details of this temple. Why? Because he says uh, it's for sake of time, but also because Revelation, as we've said before in in chapter 21, eventually there's going to be no temple in Jerusalem because the temple eventually will be God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ that we read before. So McGee says that 
you know, the dimensions and all this stuff of this temple, when God's rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem that was destroyed, he's like, this temple, again, and if you subscribe to this millennial viewpoint, there's going to be this period, this instructional period, as God rebuilds what was destroyed. Um, Perhaps this temple is a more of a physical temple that David was ruling and David was... um, carrying out the sacrifices. These sacrifices and these things were the things that God wanted to be done that were never never able to be done properly. And uh, uh, sacrifices weren't given in a proper way. They weren't given with a proper heart. Um, And um, they were inadequate. And uh, so the temples that were always there were made by men and not by God, and they were imperfect structures. And um, perhaps this temple, this millennial temple, is a temple that gets it right, that that finally uh, we have a temple where worship is conducted in a proper way, and we see that, and only one person has access to the innermost parts, and that's this prince, Perhaps that's this reference to David, who actually carries out the worship on behalf of everyone in the proper way. And again, that interpretation would be why the Lord Jesus isn't there as sort of the prince, because why would he be worshiping to himself and and, and doing sacrifices to himself? So um, We'll drop down to chapter 43. Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of God and Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. And the earth shone with his glory. And the vision I saw was just like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city. And just like the vision I had seen by the Chebar Canal. This is the glory of God coming again. This is what he saw in the Chebar Canal Valley and the uh, originally. So the end of Ezekiel is sort of um, ending just like the beginning with the glory of God. So uh, verse 4, As the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing the east, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord um, fill the temple. So this is all about the glory of God. Now, catch this. Verse 6, while the man was standing beside me, this is this angel with this measuring stick in his hand that's been giving him the tour of the temple. It says, I heard one speaking to me out of the temple. So this is not the man speaking. This is not the angel speaking. Okay, This is somebody else. And this uh, is God's voice himself. God himself is speaking to Ezekiel. I heard one speaking to me out of the temple, and he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever. And the house of Israel shall no more defile my holy name, neither they nor their kings by their whoring and by their dead bodies of their kings in high places, by serving their threshold by my threshold and their doorposts beside my doorposts with only a wall between me and them. They have defiled my holy name 
by their abominations that they have committed, so I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoring and their dead bodies of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever. As for you, verse 10, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and they shall measure the plan. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangements, its exits and entrances, that is, its whole design, and make known to them as well as all its statues. These are rules and laws. Now, to its whole design and all its laws and write it down in their sight so that they may observe all its laws and all its statutes and carry them out. This is the law of the temple, the whole territory on the top of the mountain and all around shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. Now, God himself apparently is speaking to Ezekiel and he's saying, look, This is what I want you to show the people, but also show the people its structure, its architecture, its rules, its laws and statues that uh, carry out uh, the way of worship. So we're talking about, we've, we've looked at the structure of the new temple, but now we're talking about the worship, you know, in the new temple, within the new temple. And verse 19, you shall give to the Levitical priests of the family of Zadok, who draw near to me to minister to me, declares the Lord, a bull from the herd for a sin offering. So it's talking about a sin offering now. And so, again, um, this could represent an instructional period for where sin offerings are required, there apparently there are laws and statutes of worship within this temple, and perhaps these are uh, laws and statutes finally that can now be kept, that can now be carried out to instruct the people of the holiness of God. Now, this is um, the glory of God has returned. And um, and I could only, you know, I could just humbly assert that maybe this is the presence of the Lord Jesus coming back to earth, the temples coming back to earth, descending down, uh, perhaps, or at least in a physical way. Um, perhaps maybe, this, maybe it's uh, the true temple of God that we see in Revelation maybe has not yet come. So if this is a millennial temple, perhaps this is a physical temple with physical offerings and physical laws that are actually being carried out the right way. Verse 44, Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary which faces the east, and it was shut. And the Lord said to me, This gate shall remain shut. It shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gate and shall go out by the same way. So this is this prince, and again, this reference to possibly to David uh, being the prince. So then we see in chapter 45, verse 21, in the first month on the 14th day of the month, you shall celebrate the feast of the Passover. And for seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. So, 
apparently um, the the Passover will this uh, tradition will be reinstituted in this new temple, and uh, perhaps it is observing the Passover of Christ. That Christ now is the Passover Lamb of God. That in the Old Testament, the the Passover Lamb, the blood of the Lamb protected us from death and now the new lamb the new passover lamb jesus christ is uh, uh worship at this point so now we'll drop down to chapter 47 and this now is a vision actually concerning the land itself so then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south. It's interesting that the sun rises in the east, and that's where um, light comes from originally. It comes out of darkness in the east. So this, uh, this uh, temple, this water uh, coming from the temple towards the east. So the light of the light uh, again comes from the east. This water was going to be flowing from the east uh, side, uh, the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Um, and led me around to the outside of the outer gate that was facing toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. So going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man was measuring a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. And so now this water was trickling. It started as a trickle. Now it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in. A river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he led me back to the bank of the, of the river. And I went back on the bank of the river. Very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah and enters, in, enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. So there's this picture. Um, out of this temple is going to be flowing um, water. And it's like a living water. And um, this living water gives life to everything. So... Um, and around this water, uh, around this river, is um, everything growing, everything beautiful, just, just like a, a new Garden of Eden. So God is reestablishing His garden in the proper way, and God is reestablishing His temple in the proper way. God is reestablishing His worship in the proper way. God is honoring um, the, the laws 
that were there for man to understand in the proper way. Everything seems to have been fulfilled and corrected. All the things that were broken and unfulfilled uh, seem to be restored. And so we go through down to at the end of chapter 48, um, again, references to the gates of the city, but the very end says, and the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. And uh, that's how the book of Ezekiel ends. There's no more reference to the captivity. There's no more reference to what happened to Ezekiel. There's no more reference to Ezekiel coming back and telling the people. It just ends. So it just powerful conclusion of Ezekiel with um, this, this naming of the city, the Lord is there. So this city, um, now we have no more picture as to what happens after this. Um, this is just a glimpse. And, it, and part of my heart is hungry for more. Like what, what happens after this? Is this um, this millennial time where people learn about God even more so that then this prepares them for eternity? Is this like an instructional period? Um, I mean, you think about it. Have we learned every single thing down here on earth in our little mortal bodies and then all of a sudden we die and then all of a sudden... Um, God raises us from the dead and, and brings us back, and we're all of a sudden, everything's, you know, perfect in us. Well, the Spirit of God is in us, but uh, or, or do we need more learning, or do we need more um, heavenly learning? Um, perhaps this is what this is in this new temple. But in any event, um, ultimately see in Revelation that this new Jerusalem won't have any temple because it'll be um, the presence of God, the Father, and the Lord, the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So, so perhaps this is a vision, this is a partial vision into what's coming, but there's more, but we just don't have it um, perhaps until we get to Revelation. But um, this, there is no other place, like as McGee says, in the Old Testament or really in the Bible it gives us so many visions of the presence of God in so much detail about God reinstituting His Spirit, reinstituting His authority, reinstituting His temple, His worship, His um, all of His statutes that were broken have been reinstituted. Uh, his garden was is finally restored. Uh, that was you know, uh, polluted by sin originally. Um, and he has reinstituted his hope and his blessings for all creation. And uh, then he has reinstituted his presence with man, like he was originally with man um, in the time of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He has reinstituted his presence there. So, Powerful, powerful book of Ezekiel. It's it's got to be one of my favorites. Why? Because it's it's a prophecy for me. It's a prophecy 
for our generation. Um, it, it, it shows us things that are yet to come. Uh, it talks about things, nations coming against Israel. These things haven't happened. And it's talking about this reinstitution of, of, a, of a temple and a time of worship, a place of worship. It, this, this was, these were prophecies for, for Ezekiel and, his, and the nation Israel in captivity. But a lot of this has not occurred yet. Some of it has. The destruction of Jerusalem has. But some of it has not. This reinstitution of Jerusalem. You know? Yes, there's a temple there right now. But that temple is not this temple. So whatever temple there is now, that temple is going to be destroyed again. And the temple that God's rebuilding is this temple. And then perhaps after this, there's another temple, which is Christ. So, so powerful. Um, you know, it just gives me chills just to see that, that this is a prophecy for us to look at and to place the same faith in this prophecy that um, the nation Israel was asked to place in when Ezekiel gave it to them. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Um, I'll see you next time. I believe we're studying Titus tomorrow. Back, we'll be back in the, the New Testament. So I'm excited to go through the book of Titus. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, can't wait to see what you're going to do with this. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today we are coming to the end of our study in the book of Ezekiel and what a tremendous, tremendous journey it has been for me. I have learned so, so much and I have gained so much insight and knowledge. And yeah, I have, you know, enjoyed this particular book and um, I have understood it from, you know, the explanation of Dr. J.B. McGee. He made it easy and thanks to through the Bible for making this program available. So today, the study is coming from Ezekiel chapter 40, beginning at verse 1, all the way to chapter 48, verses 1 to verse 35. So here we have the description of the millennial temple in these chapters, and that's chapter 40 to chapter 42. And then we have the worship of the millennial temple from chapters 43 to chapter 46. And then we have the vision concerning the land That's chapters 47 and chapter 48. So, you know, we see the picture of the new Jerusalem. And this is going to be, you know, the eternal address for believers. And we will be in that new Jerusalem. You know, the the saints who have died and and, and, uh, were believers in Christ, you know, they will be in this uh, new Jerusalem. And... Uh, Revelations chapter 21 speaks of this and I'll just pick out a few points from Revelations chapter 21 and it says now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away also there was no more sea then I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her for her husband So here, this is a picture of the New Jerusalem. And um, 
you know, there is a description of it given here. And it says, I saw <clears throat> no temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of the temple of it. So this is one of the things that is said about <clears throat> the New Jerusalem. There will be no temple. So, <clears throat> the, um, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, in a place where there won't be a temple up there. And, you know, they um, so there won't be need because they actually won't be need for one. Um, so the earth will have a millennial temple um, here on earth. And um, but in the New Jerusalem, that's in the heavens. There's, um, you know, where the risen believers are, um, there's not going to be need for a temple. <clears throat> so here, the New Jerusalem, this is going to be the eternal address for, um, you know, the saints, the believers. <clears throat> Um, of um, our Lord Jesus Christ. So now in, we get to chapter 40 and chapter 40 in Ezekiel. <clears throat> you know, this is after the enemy is actually defeated and that's the enemy from the north and, you know, they're now going to enter into a millennial a millennium and there will be a temple there into a, in, in the millennium. And the church is, you know, up there in the new Jerusalem where there won't be a temple because there won't be need for a temple because I mean like um, the Lord Jesus Christ is up there with the saints but down here on earth you know after um, you know the enemy is destroyed and um, you know that's after the great tribulation um, there's going to be a temple that's going to be built here so verse 1 of chapter 40 reads in the 25th year of our captivity at the beginning of the year on the 10th day of the month in the 14th year after the city was captured on the very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he took me there. So here, Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is actually burnt, you know, by um, Babylon, you know, by King Nebuchadnezzar. So Ezekiel is shown the temple that will be there in the kingdom. <clears throat> so I'll read now. Scripture reads in verse 2, In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain on it toward the south was something like a structure of a city. Verse 3, He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. He had a line of flux and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. So here, you know, whenever there are visions of um, a man with a rod, like here specifically in this particular verse it's talking about you know an angel with a measuring rod so whenever this is seen um it means god is getting ready to move again in dealing with his earthly people here on earth in dealing with his children in dealing with the believers here on earth so verse 4 goes on to read and the man said to me son of man look with your eyes and hear with your ears and fix your mind on everything I show you for you were brought here so that I might show you I might show them to you declare to the house of Israel everything you see so Ezekiel was brought literally to is to Jerusalem sorry um, and was shown the vision of the millennial temple and you know th that was actually going to be there in the future so um, you know and this vision of the millennial temple begins here at, at, at verse 5, you know, the, a description of the Millennial Temple. And, you know, verse 5, it gives a detailed um, information about the temple. And, you know, 
it's, it's going to be a thing of like, you know, great beauty. So verse 5 goes on to read, Now there was a wall all around the outside of the temple. In the man's hand was a measuring rod, six cubits long, each being a cubit and a handbreadth. And he measured the width of the wall, structure one rod, and the height one rod. So here, you know, now we have like a detailed description about this millennial temple that's going to be built in the city of Jerusalem that um, this man, the angel, is actually showing um, Ezekiel so that Ezekiel could go and declare this to um, his people that, you know, there's a future hope and Jerusalem is going to be restored again and God's not done with the nation Israel. So we drop down all the way to verse 35 of Ezekiel chapter 40. And um, it goes on to read, Then he brought me to the north gate and measured it according to these same measurements. So here, um, you know, um, like the, the directions of, of, of where the temple is going to be um, are actually given. You know, the measurements um, in detail are given and the direction are also given. <clears throat> and then now we have... Um, sacrifices now it's talking about sacrifices that are going to be restored um and are going to be repeated and um uh, in the future so verse 39 goes on to read of of ezekiel 40 it reads in the uh, vestibule of the gateway were two tables on this side and two tables on that side which to slay the burnt offering the sin offering and the trespass offering. So, you know, sacrifices are going to actually be repeated. And, you know, as a reminder um, of where we're coming from, as a reminder of, you know, the love God has for us, as a reminder of God dying for us on that cross. Verse 41 goes on to read, Four tables were on this side and four tables on that side. By the side of the gateway, eight tables on which they slaughtered the sacrifices. So here there will be sacrifices in the millennium. And um, skipping down to verse 44 of Ezekiel chapter 40 reads, Outside the inner gate were the chambers of singers in the inner court, one facing south at the side of the north gate and the other facing north at the side of the south gate, southern gate. So, you know, they're going to, there's also going to be music. We're going to be having music in the temple as well. So, you know, detailed, a detailed description of, what the temple would look like and the detailed description of, you know, where exactly it's going to be and, you know, um, a detailed description of, you know, sacrifices that are going to take place in the, in the temple and here, which means there's going to be an altar, you know, a throne um, of where these sacrifices are to take place and there's going to be music and it's going to be uh, um, beautiful. So, uh, skipping down to verse 47, it reads, and he mustered... Oh, sorry. And he measured the court 100 cubits long and 100 cubits wide, four square. The altar was in front of the temple. So here he calls out this point. Like, you know, this it's not the first time he's actually calling out this point. Like, you know, there's a place where the sacrifices are going to be. He's called out this point again and again. And, you know, there is going to be an altar for sacrifice um, in the millennial temple. So now we move on to chapter 41. And verse 1, the measurements, he continues giving out the measurements and he says, uh, verse 41, uh, ver sorry, chapter 41, verse 1 reads, Then he brought me into the sanctuary and measured the doorpost six cubits wide 
on one side and six cubits wide on the other side, the width of the turbinacle. So, you know, the thing that was um, absent in Solomon's time um, in the temple was the Shekinah glory, you know, when it lifted off and, you know, left. So that was God's presence. So now in chapter 43, the glory um, of God returns and we're going to see this later on. So it returns to the temple as, you know, um, and when it gets to the temple, the one thing that, um, you know, they are supposed to worship in that particular temple, that's, um, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Shekinah glory is back. Um, so now um, I'll drop, I'll just go all the way to verse, to chapter 43. And um, verse 1 reads, Then, oh, afterwards he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces towards the east. Verse 2, And behold, the glory of God, of the God of the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. So here, you know, this is the person of Christ, and the Shekinah glory is with him. So you know, when Christ came the first time, um, you know, that was over 1900 years ago, the glory was not with him. So when he comes a second time, the glory is going to come with him. So dropping down to verse 4, scripture reads of chapter 43. Um, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces towards the east. So here he comes in the direction of the east. So here there's detailed description of what exactly is going to happen. So now um, we'll drop down to verse 19. I know um, that Dr. J.B. McGee was picking out scriptures and he was saying, you know what, they're the ones driving the bus. We sit and um, we uh, listen. But... It's, it's basically is covering um, almost um, touching every point of what these uh, chapters are teaching on. So verse 19 of chapter 43 goes on to read. <clears throat> you shall give a young bull for a sin offering to the priest, the Levites who are of the seed of Zadok, who approach me to minister to me, says the Lord God. So here... This is relative to worship. So now, you know, um, we are dealing with worship of the temple. So the Passover is to be brought back. So, you know, um, the, the, the ritual, the ceremonies that were actually practiced back in the Old Testament are to be brought back. So in chapter 45, verse 21 of Scripture, it reads... Um, in the first month of the 14th day of the month, you shall observe the Passover, a feast of seven days, and leavened bread shall be eaten. So the Passover refers to Christ. So Christ, our Passover, is offered to us. And um, <clears throat> so now, you know, why are sacrifices being restored? That's the question we want to ask ourselves. Why are they being restored again in the millennial? In the millennium so after all the sacrifices were fulfilled in christ you know when christ died he fulfilled all our sacrifices um you know when he was slain and he shed his blood for us on that cross on the altar so according to pastor jv mcgee's opinion you know the sacrifices are going to look back to the coming of christ and his death 
upon the cross in the millennial just you know as the lord's supper today you know when we go to church we always refer to the lord's supper because he says you know do this in memory of me so now the passover is going to be restored in order to look back you know where we're coming from you know because as human beings you know the human race why are we looking back because you know we don't learn very easily we don't learn lessons very well like we have um you know, very short memories, you know, and we easily forget. And it's going to be, <clears throat> you know, why these things are, why uh, the, um, the Passover and the sacrifices are being restored. Um, you know, it's, it's in order to reveal to us, you know, the horrible place, the horrible pits from which we actually came, were taken out of, um, you know, from being saved from sin, um, and from being saved from hell. So we were dead in trespasses and only God can save us. And the restoration of the sacrifices will remind us seeing that, you know, we seem to, to have very short memories. So they will remind us of where we are coming from. You know, even in our, this in application today, you know, we always refer back to history in order for us to learn, you know, um, you know, in the future, like we always remember where we're coming from our past right so here it's going to remind us of the horrible past where we're coming from you know of what christ did for us um how he sacrificed um his life for us um so you know it's, it's you know like we can actually just see from like you know the old testament you know the, the israelites they tend to forget they forgot easily you know god removed them from um the slavery in egypt from pharaoh and um you know they forgot and they began to worship idols when they were in the wilderness it's like uh, and then and then now here in ezekiel we have um you know nebuchadnezzar who took them captive because they forgot um where they were coming from so this is just a reminder um, the restoration of sacrifices and the Passover is to remind us of where we're actually coming from. And, um, you know, in most cases, people tend to appreciate more when they remember, like, where they're actually coming from. Like, oh, you know what, this is where we're coming from and this is where we're at now. And, you know, you tend to glorify and appreciate God more. So now um, in chapter 44, verse 1, it reads, And he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary which faces towards the east but it was shut so here the east gate is shut verse 2 goes on to read the lord said to me this gate shall be shut it shall not be opened and no man shall enter by it because the lord god of israel has entered by it therefore it shall be shut verse 3 as for the prince because he is the prince he may sit in it to eat bread before the lord he shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way so here the prince that's coming you know like like if we all agree you know this prince that's coming is not christ and you know some agree that it's actually david and some tend to disagree that you know it's it's, it's another prince so um but at the end of the day, it's a prince who's coming. And uh, whether it's David or it's, you know, a different chosen prince by, by, by God, but we're going to be in good company.
right? So um, it's not Christ who comes through that gate. And why isn't it Christ? Because he offers a sacrifice. This prince offers a sacrifice and worships God. And, you know, here Christ is God. He is God. And he never offered the sacrifice when he was here in the flesh before. So the gate being talked about is the gate of the temple and not the gate of the city. So the temple has to be built first before this can actually take place. So here, there is already an east gate. You know, Dr. J.V. McGee talked about a gate in the east, like uh, the, a wall that's been built and all. And, you know, people tend to refer to that particular gate. But, um, you know, the temple hasn't yet been built. And, um, you know, before, the, 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 before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city, you know, there was a different wall. And then, you know, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city. Another wall was built. And, you know, even when Christ came, uh, before Titus actually uh, destroyed that city, um, another wall was built. So... This will only happen when, um, you know, um, the temple is built first. So now we go to verse, oh, cha chapter 47 of Ezekiel. And here we have a picture of the land. And um, scripture goes on to read verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east of the front of the temple faced east the water was flowing under the right side of the temple south of the altar verse uh, 2 goes on to read he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out of the right side verse 3 and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. So here, you know, the prince that's coming, sorry, um, what am I saying? So here, sorry, the water from the altar, the altar being the throne. Um, and this is where all blessings come from. And remember, um, Christ is the water of life. So that the, the, all our blessings come, you know, originate from the altar. Everything that comes to us by way of blessings, you know, comes from the death of Christ uh, for us from the cross, the cross, the altar, the throne. So that's where all our blessings come from. So the water that goes out um, and is ankle deep. So ankle deep here refers to service, right? Uh, that's my, Dr. David McGee's opinion. And the source of water is in the redemption of Christ. Right? So the source of water is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer. So service is anchored there. Right? So um, the Lord is the living water. He is um, the water of life. And this is where our redemption is actually anchored. So the ankle deep means, you know, the walk of the believer, the service of um you know, the walk of the believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, the service of the believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 4 of chapter 47 goes on to read, Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came to my knees. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and the water came to my waist or loins. So here, the water went up to his waist. My, my, my translation says waist, other translation says low, it's, uh, states loins. So here, you know, um, in Isaiah, we had read, you know, gird up your loins for service. So, you know, gird them up, you know, like Christ girded up, um, you know, his, his, his loins for service. So that, you know, a believer may walk and rest upon the redemption of Jesus Christ, may walk, rest upon that living water. So the loins represent service. And, you know, the application is that, you know, 
the application is in that particular day, we will have an eternal spring of water. And, you know, that will bring blessings from the land. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ will be present and it will bring blessings upon the land. And, you know, water is needed. It is needed in, in, in badly in, um, in that land in Israel today because the land is dry and arid and they need the blessings of the water. They need the, the, the you know, our, the redemption of, um, you know, our Redeemer. So verse 5 of chapter 47 goes on to read, Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So water will be enough to swim in. That's what this uh, particular scripture is um, stating. And, in, um, and, you know, that is the fullness of the Spirit. So it speaks of the day when God will actually pour out his Spirit upon these people. So to do today, you know, God indwells in us. Um, but in that day, he's going to pour out his Spirit um, in all of us. So verse 7 goes on to read, When I returned there along the bank of the river where very many trees and one side of oh there were then sorry let me just read that again when i returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other so here you know many trees represent the fruit um you know um it represents fruit you know uh and uh the fruit fruit the fruit in our lives you know the fruits of the spirit you know fruit will be in our lives and because you know the presence of god is actually going to be um around and visible you know we'll see god's glory all around us so this book closes with the millennial city and the lands during the millennium the millennial and all the curse is actually removed so i'm just going to read verse chapter 48 um Verse 35, it reads, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits and the name of the city that they shall be, the Lord is there. So the Lord is not through with that land and he is going to come and establish his kingdom and there will be blessings and um, he is going to pour out his spirit on his saints and um you know, there's going to be, um, it's going to be an eternal, beautiful kingdom and there's going to be um, a millennial temple for worship. So yeah, this is today's teaching. It's the last of the book of Ezekiel and I have immensely enjoyed this uh, book actually and I have learned so much and, um, you know, I hope you got out a couple of things or two from um, our teaching and, you know, our take on it. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.